This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com. Great form by you hitting play on this podcast. Now, check out Same Racer, the brand new racing app for Same Race multi-tips. Same Racer. Download from the App Store and Google Play. Powered by Bluebet. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. Shop the Chemist Warehouse October catalogue and find Mont Blanc Explorer 100 mil for just $84.99. And Kogan Mobile, New Zealand's cheapest unlimited prepay plans. Visit koganmobile.co.nz. This is Izzy and Kempi for breakfast on SENZ. Morning, Izzy and Kempi for breakfast, SENZ, Monday 17th of October, and it's all flying here, i got my TV ready to go for the Kiwis coming up after 7 o'clock, our first chance to witness the Kiwis taking on Lebanon, right now we've got Ireland taking on Jamaica, Ireland putting on a bit of a clinic at the moment, 18-2 up, we'll keep you up to date throughout the morning in the Kiwis after 7.30 but before then Morena to you Kempi with a big old smile on his face after <laughs> some success over the weekend for you Kempi and Al Sharak well done brother Jam just asked me second in the liver mole mate congratulations you must be pumped oh mate yeah Morena is he yeah, no it was a good day mate said they uh, sitting up the up at Shapiro's uh, with the boys doing good oil and uh, watching the race. I actually couldn't get couldn't get down there on the weekend. Um, and a very very good run by our boy. Uh, just up against Mustang Valley, mate. What a horse! I think we're going to hear big things about that horse in the future. But um, you take her out of it, and he's turned up 
the rest of the field by two lengths in a group one. So, mate, happy as. Couldn't be any happier. And uh, our, our mayor, I found out on the weekend often, which is where, who um, just asked me is out of, is uh, is in fold to, to another good stallion. So um, I did, I did, uh, I think I did text you boys that one though, didn't I? Yeah. That, who that was. Um, so, yeah, it's a, a good day, a good day for Al. He's a, he's a very good trainer. He sets them right, and to get down there and and to get a second in a in a group one couldn't be happier. Could be yeah, happier, mate. brother. Awesome. What what's going to happen now with with Jam? Just ask me. You're going to go for a little spell. What's going to stick around and have a have a couple of more runs? Knowing the conditions might tend to dry up now there around around the country. Yeah, he, Al Al thinks you know he's a couple more wait for age races to to go around. He thinks he might send him for one more of those. Um, before his season's uh, wrapped up. But, yeah, with the weather, mate, you just don't know at the moment, eh? You know, with the, yeah. with the way the weather is. And he might as well just, uh, you know, set him, set him again and, and see what happens and, and we'll roll the dice. But the way that he's running at the moment, he's such a he's such a war horse, mate, a tough bugger. Um, might as well give him one more crack at something because uh, you never know. You never know. Most spin the dice and go again. Oh, mate, I was thinking of you because it never stopped pouring. There in Hawke's Bay, the rain just kept coming and, well, Jam's odds just kept coming in too because everyone got on predicting that we know how good he swims in the wet and just absolutely loves it. Just ask me, second in the Livermore, so congratulations to Al Chirac and Kempe. Obviously, not quite what they wanted, but Mustang Valley was too classy in the end, but you take a second place any day. And then over in Australia, some big racing to boot. We're going to talk about it throughout the morning, no doubt, because a couple of us got paid. And if I had to listen to one of my good mates who said to me, back giga kick in the Everest, it'll win. Into Durston, which I backed Durston to win. Wow, it would have been a great weekend. But no, I didn't take giga kick. I took uh, Nature Strip, and obviously that wide draw was just too much in the end. But giga kick. Wow, what a win. Unbeaten. What a win in, in the Everest. Unbeaten, Kempe. Unbeaten Five races now, unbeaten. And my mate was like, mate, I, I was like, how did you pick that? And he goes, I went and checked the sectionals. In the last 600, fastest of them all. Fastest of them all in the last 600. I was like, well, there you go. Do your preparation. Get the job done. $19. $19. That was kick. such a good ride by Craig Williamson. You know, he's so patient. Nature, nature Strip and Eduardo fighting it out up the front. Couldn't get in. He you know, three wide come the turn and put two links on him, Nature Strip. But so patient on Giga Kick, uh, um, Craig. And to get him, mate, it got him to 20 metres to go. Got him on the line. Yeah. You know, just yep. such a good run. Um, and the three-year-old, he, he, I read an article yesterday about um, what he said the last time he rode Giga Kick and said one day he'll win the Everest, this horse. And then he goes, I didn't think it would be this year. That's how, <laughs> that's how good he's going. Imagine yeah. that. Imagine having that's what you want. Pungo, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Pungo, not a bloody sh- sprinter, but, uh, mate, he said, no, he's going to be at the Derby Day. That's all good, though. But, uh, mate, what a win. What an absolute win from him. Mazu flew home late to come over the top, and Nature Strip comes fourth. Crazy, crazy. And then Durston in the Caulfield Cup. 
Look, I was just having a read, and I was like, man, Chris Waller hasn't won anything all day. When was the last day that Chrissy Waller walks away empty-handed? And then Durston, obviously, a late scratching that morning, comes in. Mate, if you watch that ride, holy Michael D, mm. just sitting behind on the rails, letting everyone go forward, and then just waits, waits, and then comes on the outside and just pounces home and gets over the top. And, well, Daggy had a wee bit on that one, too, and that paid 16 bucks, Durston, to win the Caulfield Cup. So I got paid, and I had a little nice weekend there on, on the dabble. Uh, just just cruising at home. It was an awesome weekend to, to watch some racing and watch some sport. It's all happening, and uh, boys, we're going to be talking about it today. Rugby League World Cup taking place up in the UK. The Kiwis taking on Lebanon just after 7. We'll chat with Kevin Iro after 7 to review the weekend's games and preview the Kiwis. Um, so looking forward to that. Kiwi's coming up after 7.30. It's been a long time coming. Can't wait for that. And then we're going to talk to Nick Heath after 8. He's ITV rugby commentator up in the UK to talk Women's Rugby World Cup. The Black Ferns uh, getting the job done over Wales. Australia beating Scotland there on the board. And England. Wow, what a game that was taking on the arch rivals. France in a, well, physical... Hard-fought game. They actually had a little bit of a scrap on the outside, on the sideline. I never thought I'd see it in women's sport, but they got oh, they got pretty angry and they started taking on each other. It was an interesting watch. So we're going to talk some rugby after 8 and then 8.40. Pat McKendry to talk boxing. As David Nika impressed yesterday with a brutal knockout, Kempe. Mm. He remains undefeated. So it'll be interesting to see what doors open for David now. But uh, big show Double eight, double three. Love to hear from you on the text machine, temper bed post, or even better. Oh eight hundred one five zero eight eleven on the Kennard's Tire phone line. Give us a call. It is Monday, and there's plenty, plenty to talk about. Kempe, suppose you wanna I want, relive. I want to relive it, mate. Come on, starting. I'll forget about jam. Come on, let's go back. Let's take it back another day, eh? Come on. The pro, well, what do you want to take, us, take us through it. Come on, take us what through it. What do you want to know, Kimpy? I want to know what, what it know? was like on your very, very first teammate. Like the nerves, <laughs> they were they were all week pretty pumped, and then you went up and you boomed it off the first teammate, and uh, <sighs> you got it. You got into the day, and then all of a sudden nah. you had to work out what the rules were like, and you know, <laughs> play with some etiquette. How was it? Come on, oh. fuss in. Look, it was it was <laughs> it was a. Learning curve, I tell you. Look, I teed off. If you play Clearwater, um, there's hole nine is a long par three. So I teed off on par three um, early in the morning. The sun was up. Like When you looked up, you couldn't even see the hole. The, the sun was right there behind the hole. Making excuses up, aren't I? But anyway, <laughs> I had 185 to the flag, 185 metre par three. Um, to start the day, and I was like, oh, no, this here we go. Anyway, the pro flushes it right behind the hole. My mate just pulls it into the bunker. You know, I smash the six on. I'm like, oh, man, I've hit that really good. Pumped it, and then I just, but I'll get up there, and I pulled it. So I pulled it about 30 metres, and I've had to flop it over the bunker and land it on the green. Get it up, take take a um, bogey. So one, one over after one. Anyway, we go to 10. So if you've played... What a 10 is, you go left, it's lake. It's a big lake, so you're in the water. Anyway, I snap hook it left off the tee, get up there, drop for three, hit a three wood over the water to cut the corner, snap hook it again, two in the water, 
And when you're playing a professional event, can't pick up, walk off and go circle eight. You've got to finish the hole. You've got to hole out. You know, I hole out for an eight after two in the water. So I'm four over. And then par. Oh, look, it was it was horrible. The worst hole, the worst hole, Kempe, <laughs> hole five. So I get to the back nine, hole five, and I've pumped two into the paddock. So I've hit two OB. I go to the guy, hey, bro, I'll just, can I just drop up there and, and, you know, drop for six or seven? He goes, nah, you've got to keep playing, bro. I'm like, hey, got to keep playing. So I'm like, oh, no. Snap pocket left, three wood up, chip over the green. I have three chips up to the green. So I chip it, rolls back, chip it, rolls back. Oh, no. Angrily chip it again. Rolls back and then I chip it and it goes way over the other side of the green. <laughs> and then I putt it and then I miss it again. So three putt for a 13. 13 shots on hole five at Clearwater, par five. That's your day. So that's my day. I've ended up. I said to I said to someone I was playing golf, I said, look, if I ever shoot 100, I'm going to give up golf. I'm going to give up golf forever. I shot 100. <laughs> On round one. (laughs) So I was 28 over. 28 over. And uh, it was funny. So I thought I'd change preparations up, Kempe. Went home. Went home. Popped the beer. Just really ripped into a couple. Relaxed at home. You know, went to bed. Woke up. A little bit slow. A little bit sheepish. Get out there. Calm as. Relax it. First shot. Bang. Pa. Pa. Bogey. Triple. Pa, pa, but I played a lot better in the yeah, second round. Yeah, I still shot ninety, which is yuck, but I just felt more comfortable and and, and better. But uh, mate, just got a lot of appreciation for pro golfers, Kempe. They are just so good. It just shows, man. You just have to be on. And oh, look, I had I got it right. I'm not that bad, but man, pressure and, and just you know, just feeling the nerves. The yeah. distance, you're off the blacks, you're like an extra 150 metres back. And distance probably my, um, you know, what really helps me. But uh, if you get it wrong, man, it can go pear-shaped. So good learning curve for me, Kempe. Good, good experience. Curve, oh, that's what I said to you, mate. You know, not many blokes can say I've played in a pro tournament, you know, being golfers <laughs> and a couple of boys here on Friday talking about golf and, you know, all of a sudden they wanted to put – Pitch me and you against them, and I scared them away. They said, you know, we'll take you for this, and I upped the ante, and they got a bit scared. They got a bit frightened, didn't they, in their boots? <laughs> so be careful what you ask for, fellas, because you'll get a couple from Kempe and Daggy. Don't you worry about that. Mate, you, mate, you, yeah. did, a, you did really well. I think you did really well going out there and playing in a, in a, in a pro um, tournament. And you're right, just the experience, you know, just the experience in itself. Um Mate, well done. Don't worry about. It. Don't well, worry just... about. Don't worry about your thirteens. Not many boys can. I get, if you want to, if you want to talk about a thirteen, you get up there on those black tees and try and hit it down clear water out, keep it out of the lake. Oh. I'd hate to oh, think what man. I'd hit. <laughs> it was, but someone. The worst thing is someone tagged me in this little Instagram thing and they said, "Even the pros do it, Izzy." So this pro over in America was qualifying for the PGA. He shot 17 on a par four. <laughs> so I was like, oh, okay. So it happens. Hey, it happens. Didn't Tiger be... Woods do that too? Didn't he shoot a, like at a 10 or something just recently in the last couple of years? Mm. You know? This, yeah, there's mate, been plenty of pros. Oh, yeah. Everyone everyone, everyone does it. Um, but lots of other sport on too. Is, you know, big weekend. Mm. You down there at Clearwater, yep. jam going around. We had the girls winning the oh. netball again last night, the Constellation yeah, Cup, awesome. so they've gone two up. The the, the rugby, uh, 13, a 13 
woman um, black ferns getting the job done, mate. And and in the rugby league world cup too, what a turn up! I'll tell you the biggest turn up. Everyone's talking about Samoa, England, but Italy, mate. Italy beat Scotland, and they didn't beat <laughs> just beat. They didn't beat them. They give them a hiding, which I yeah. never saw coming. Because Scotland, they've been in a number of World Cups, and we played them up there in 2010, and they they played really well. I thought they were, I thought they were on the up, but Italy made them look pretty average. So, made lots of sport going on. Kiwis running around for the first time this morning, and the other game that I watched yesterday was the Padres in the. And the Dodgers, mate, I don't know if you got to, got to see that, but it was 2-1, Padres needing to, to, to shut it out to um, win that one. And they, made the game, they were down 3-0 in the um, bottom of the fifth and just went on a streak and went in after that 5-3 up. They got five five people home and the just Dodgers shut the Dodgers out with a with with pitching game, which was absolutely unbelievable. Mm. But the crowd, mate, and the people behind it, behind the behind the team, and the team, the way the team was carrying on, I actually thought the team were the fans. <laughs> it was that bad. Was, they were jumping around in the down in their dugouts. But no, American sport when it gets to the finals, and I reckon that filming of baseball, I don't know if you've ever noticed it, but it actually looks like you're in the game. Like when they film, you know, when you got a big screen and you're watching it, and you're and you're standing there with a pitcher. And he's throwing the pitches in. It actually feels like you're standing at shortstop, you know, and you're watching you're watching them fire fire them in, and and watching the batters and watching the ball movement. I just think, you know, that's if you want to look at sport and how it should be, um, it should be, I guess, captured and sent out on TV. Baseball miles ahead. American baseball is miles ahead. Yeah, it's a good game. It's a great game. Long game to watch, though, Kemp. You've got to have a long afternoon to be able to sit there in front of the telly. Oh, yeah. But it is all happening. It's all happening. Houston Astros just uh, taking easy care of the of the Mariners. And then you've got the Yankees coming up, taking on the Cleveland Guardians. Guardians up 2-1 at the moment. And obviously, um, Aaron Judge and the Yankees, can they get, get it done and, and uh, take that to a playoff? Padres winning 3-1 over the Dodgers. And the Guardians are hoping to shut out the Yankees at the moment, Kempi. And on that, well, this is what rip into this, eh? Hey, sorry, boys. <laughs> <laughs> My bad. Can't wait. Well. Question of the day. Always asleep. Always asleep, Joe, on a Monday morning. Anyway, let's rip into it, Kempi. Our can't wait question of the day. Talking about the Yankees, talking about the Dodgers, while the Dodgers got dodged from the Padres. Who was the biggest sportsman or team to say they were the greatest and got beaten? To say they were the greatest and got absolutely punched in the nostrils and beaten. How good. That is our can't wait question of the day. Who was the biggest sportsman or team to say they were the greatest and got beat? Double eight, double three, or even better, oh eight hundred one five oh eight eleven. Come through, give us a text, and we'll rip into those after this. Coming up, we're going to talk some sport. We're going to talk some racing. We're going to talk it all throughout the morning. The Kiwis taking on Lebanon after seven o'clock. You're listening to Izzy and Kempi for breakfast. Thanks to Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. Yes, welcome back. The text machine's coming through with all things Auckland, Mark. The Blues, when they got beat. Marky, good to see Auckland got pumped from an unknown Texas. Obviously, Wellington 
demolishing Auckland over the weekend to uh, cement their spot in the final to come down to Otohi Christchurch. And I think they will come down full of confidence knowing what they did to Auckland over the weekend. Hell of a final taking place this weekend in the MPC. Auckland taking on Canterbury. Keep you updated throughout the show. Keep the messages coming through. Our can't wait question of the day. Who was the biggest sportsman team to say they were the greatest and got beaten? And got beaten. Kempe, for you? Oh, mate, there's uh, there's a few. You know, George Foreman, Muhammad Ali in the in the uh, the big first up boxing match where Foreman you know just went around and beasted everyone. Muhammad Ali was meant to get a hiding and, and ended up winning that one. Um, Muhammad Ali obviously is the greatest, isn't he? Because he came out and said, "I'm the greatest," and he went out there and done it. Yeah. Um, but you look at, geez, on the weekend for me, Samoa coming out and saying that they're going to win the World Cup. <laughs> you know what I mean? And actually fooled everyone with a Penrith backline and got tonked by sixty against England. That's the that's the most current one. And the and you're right, the Blues that game Wellington on the weekend. Mate, how good did Wellington look? Mm. Everyone's picking the Blues. Right at the beginning, the Blues are like up there with Canterbury, and they couldn't mm. have been shut out in a, in a more emphatic way against Wellington. In there, yeah. you're dead right going down to Canterbury is. But yeah, uh, for me, there's a couple of league ones. 2008 World Cup final, we were yeah. never meant to, never meant to win it. This was meant to be the greatest Australian team ever assembled in 2008. And arguably, when you look at it on, on paper, it, it looked like it was, you know. And they were just meant to waltz in. I had a mate put a decent bit on it. Back in the Aussies, I said to him, you're never back against the Kiwis in a final. And uh, what happened? The greatest ever. Never got it done. Never got it yes. done. Yes. Beautiful. Beautiful. Yes, no, that was a that was an interesting one, that one, Kempe, eh? And I've seen a couple of highlights. I can't believe Billy Slater did that, threw it back in and for a nice little Benji Marshall, Marshall little entree. Uh, for me, Kempe, uh, look, the first thing that sprung to mind about this, I went back to 2011. I went back to 2011 and I thought of, of the NBA. The NBA was taking place and the Miami Heat obviously went off on a big recruitment and recruited some stars and... Uh, and they just they were they were classy. LeBron James, you know, and and all the all of above. I th- I'm pretty sure it was Miami Heat. Or was it Cleveland Cavaliers? I think it was Miami Heat. Anyway, and uh, they they faced them um, Dallas Mavericks. And I'm a Dirk Nowitzki fan. And Dallas Mavericks were um, you know they were up against a stacked outfit, but they just united. They rallied around each other. Dirk Nowitzki, you got Sean Marion, you got Jason Terry, you got Jason Kidd, just some all time battlers just pushing this championship team that were considering themselves to be the greatest and go on a real championship winning um, legacy and Dirk Nowitzki and the Dallas Mavericks ruining their party and getting the job done and Dirk Nowitzki up against them all just schooled them by himself the great man the big man so for me that will be have the one the first one that springs to mind was Dirk Nowitzki Dallas mm. Mavericks beating the Miami Heat who uh, who had went out and recruited Dwayne Wade? You got Chris Bosh, uh, you got um, LeBron James, and you got some big uh, six men uh, coming off the bench too. So that'll be one for me, Kempe. A yeah, couple mate. coming through. Super Bowl, Super Bowl. Patriots lose to Giants, two thousand and seven. 
Ooh, that is from Ed. Yes, I remember that. Ed, uh, Eli Manning getting the job done for the for the Giants. How good. 2007. And then Simon, who? You? Your daddy, Jerome. <laughs> Simon, what are you up to, mate? <laughs> Keep those messages coming through. Double eight, double three. Who was the biggest sportsman team to say they were the greatest and got beaten? We'll get Neeps after the news because he's got a good one coming through on the text machine. So oh, on our WhatsApp group chat, um, Neeps. So we'll get to you after Aroha with the news for Kubota. Together, we are shaping and building New Zealand. Morning, Izzy and Kempi for breakfast. It's 27 to 7. Time for your Bunnings Trade sports update at Bunnings Trade. Helping business is our trade. Boys, lots of football happening overnight. There was the El Clasico, Real Madrid against Barcelona. Real Madrid won that one 3-1, so now they sit alone at the top of La Liga. Liverpool got the win over Man City. The upset just finished now. 1-0, so Arsenal sit alone after they got a win over Leeds United. That was delayed because of a power outage for 40 minutes. Uh, we talked about Clearwater, uh, Clearwater Open earlier. Izzy, didn't go so well for you, uh, but uh, Josh Geary got the win. He birdied the final three holes. Uh, yeah. And Ireland is currently uh, dominating. What's the score in uh, Ireland against Jamaica right now, Kimby? Uh, 34-2. 34-2. So we're just building yeah. up to the Kiwis game. Um Boys, we did real well at the race. Uh, sorry, at the track cycling world champs uh, that went over uh, on over the weekend. Mm. Uh, Neeps mates, Corbin Strong got a silver in the elimination race uh, to back up what Aaron Gate did in the men's OPM getting a bronze there yesterday. So good for and the NFL. Uh, Izzy, your Panthers are playing the Rams, so we'll see how Ooh. they go. My 49ers oh. are currently losing, actually, so you'll be happy with that. And the Steelers are <laughs> up over the Bucks. <laughs> I am happy with that, Joe, because we're taking you. Where are we taking you? Some old bakery anyway. That's yeah, you really... I just don't know. Yeah. I don't know nice places to go to lunch, Izzy. You're going to have to take me somewhere nice. <laughs> ah, can't, that was a stupid bit for me, really. Taking on the Panthers, <laughs> taking on the 49ers. What am I thinking? But hey, I'll never shy away from a bit. But well done, Joey. Yeah, we'll keep you up to date with the NFL. We're talking sport, and we're talking who consider themselves to be the greatest sportsman or team, and they got beaten, and they got beaten, and we're going to go throw it to Neeps to have we chat. Neeps, you had a good one on the WhatsApp machine, mate. What was it? Yeah, bro. I'm I'm a massive UFC punisher. Love my scraps on a Sunday morning. Um, one yep. my my one is uh, GSP George Saint Pierre. He was the champion back in 2004. Lost the bout, went on a win streak of about five or six fights, lost the bout again, and then came back for a 13-fight win streak, which is almost like, I think it's the biggest one in UFC history. So to come back after taking a massive, massive loss through to punches, getting knocked out, and then winning 13 fights against some of the biggest names in the division after that is insane. Oh, GSP, GSP, that's, that's got the... You know, the got me thinking about Conor McGregor, who was considering himself the greatest, and then got beat. <laughs> wow, he's he's on a three losing streak at the moment, mate. Yeah, but, uh, I don't know how he does Benny, in the John next Jones, 
Oh, John yeah. Jones, obviously, he's been out of the game for ages. Well, Are yeah. we going to see him back soon? Well, there's another one. You know, like John Jones got beat, but that was due to an illegal move. But other than that, he's won mm. every single fight. And I've seen so much stuff on Twitter from matchmakers. We are bound to see him in December, apparently. Oh, hurry up, man. It's been a long time coming. News came out. John Jones is back. Nah, does something bad. I won't say it because he's done some bad things in his time. But anyway, uh, John Jones, he's one of the greatest in the UFC. There's a few coming here. Shane Cameron talking it up before nearly getting killed by Lights Tua. on, lights out. <laughs> lights on, lights out. Kevin Ransfield, oh, one of the greatest. Ed's come through with Shane Cameron versus David Tua as well. Connor v. Khabib. That was, I was, that's what I was talking about before too. Connor and Khabib, the build-up, and then, well, Khabib just choked him out. And then there was a big old eruption in the fight ring there. Oh, there's plenty. There are plenty of things. Mike Tyson getting beaten by Douglas. More recently, Karen Reid saying South, South Africa weren't as competitive anymore. I think they pumped us by 50. This is from Chris. Well, when did Karen read? Did he say that on telly? Rita, don't ever, don't ever pump up the South Africans or give them any bit of ammo to go forward and use it. Anyway, we've got the Kennard's High phone line. Tim's come through 0800 150 811. We're talking biggest upsets. Who got beaten? Timmy, good morning. Yeah, mate. Yeah, I just wanted to expand on what Nick said. So, GSP was the reigning champ and looked unstoppable, and um, they had one of the, um, you know, the Ultimate Fighter series, and they got a bunch of sort of has-been dudes to come back and have another crack, and then the yeah. winner of that series got to go on and fight GSP. So um, Matt Serra fought him in the, you know, after the finale, and um, you know he was like stupid odds. It was GSP was paying like one hundred one type thing. And uh, Matt Serra knocked him out and got the belt. And it was it's still probably the biggest upset ever in UFC history. Wow. Was that just the case of GSP obviously not taking him seriously? You see that a lot in sport, eh? When someone just doesn't get the preparation quite right or something's not quite there, it takes one little moment and you're gone. Is that what it was? Yeah, sort of, yeah. He just got clipped and then he just couldn't come back, you know. He, he, whipped, he whipped him in the rematch, but... Yeah, it was amazing. Beautiful, beautiful, Timmy. Thank you so much, mate. We'll chat to you in about three minutes because no doubt you'll be calling back up for Quizzy Dag. Keep it up, mate. Appreciate that call. Yep, GSP, if you're quite not, uh, not quite there mentally, you can get clipped and taken out. I'm sure the Kiwis won't be like that, Kim. Be sure the Kiwis will be ready to take on Lebanon. Oh, 100%. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> and uh, they haven't been... They haven't been uh, pumping their tyres up too much at the moment. I think they just want to get out and get this first one under their belt. Um, but when you're talking about all these all these um, so-called champions, a lot of it is in the fight game, eh, saying that they're going to come out. Mm. I remember I remember a young, a young boxer in the UK when I was up there um, from Sheffield. I'm just trying to think his name at the moment. Uh, and he would he would come out. He was really good. He'd dance and jump over the jump over the ropes. And that say he was the greatest. Went to we went to America and said the wrong thing to a Mexican and got beaten up. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so, so, sometimes when you see it, you go, mate, you should have just went over there and boxed. Um, Kimpy, what would you be like? What would you be like in a build up to a fight? I'm just trying to <laughs> put you sitting there and <laughs> opposite your opponent. Would you be sitting there 
you know, just humble and, you know, just sitting there just mellow as. Or, I reckon you'd be throwing out a bit of tongue-in-cheek, eh? Oh, I don't mind the banter. I don't mind the banter, but the thing with it is that I've got this, like, when you get into those situations, I've got this habit where it's, it's like a it's a nervous laugh. So, mm. it, and I I find the funny in what people say. I find, you know, if people like having a real decent crack at you, I find the funny side of it, but it sort of makes me go get worse. So I've, I always warn people, if I start to giggle, then I'm getting really angry. <laughs> you know? So yeah. it's a, yeah, mate, people have, I've seen, you know, some of the stuff, like the Jerome Luai stuff, when you're coming out saying things like that, I just I don't get that part of it mm. because you know the other part of the other part about this is that on the other side of the fence, you're coming up against someone that's probably put in as much effort effort as you or tried harder, and it's really yep. disrespectful. So, yeah, I've you know I know it's part of the boxing game. That's you know that's part and parcel of it. But and all the other ones, um, mate, there's be some great teams be beat. Who, who thought they'd never get... There's been some great horses. Al Sheik Sharrock on my first bet. Steely Dan, can't get mm. beat. <laughs> Cannot get beat. You know? <laughs> Al Sharrock. Al Sharrock. I watched that race yesterday. Bonnie Lass, obviously getting it, getting it done over Butler. Kempi, I don't know if you saw that race, but that was a big one too. Yeah, yeah. I did. I thought... I thought I, but, back, but, I backed Bonnie Lass. Did you? Oh, yeah. yeah. I thought, well, I thought Butler was a beaten favourite. I thought, you know, mm. when he missed the missed the jump by a bit, and then uh, Lisa took him up on the inside of the, of the track there and got held up a couple of times, couldn't get him out. He was full of running, yeah, um, yeah. just to, in the wrong spot. But that's racing, eh? You know, you go, don't get it out in the right spot, then you're you're, you're always struggling there. And Bonnie Lass was always going to be the one to beat. Um, good horse, mm. Bonnie Lass. So, yeah, I think Al, I think Al's still wherever he's targeting Butler. Um, you stick, you stick with him. He's got a win in him. Yeah. Yeah, that Baz rang me up and he said, get on Bonnie Lass. So I backed it and then I, I saw that Butler was in his race and I was like, oh, no. Oh, Butler, oh, please jump slow. And he, well, he must have been hanging out with Jam. Anyway, <laughs> oh, and I went on on the Kenantai phone line. Come through, quizzy dang. Love you, uncle. That was just a little second in the living, my mate. Better than anything I've done. So well done to you. Oh, 800 Take on the quiz master, the is master. I've looked. Not bad. Not bad at all. Achievable. Well, he must have had a good weekend, old Neeps. He's been a bit nice today. Anyway, 0800 Take on the Quizmaster, the Ismaster. Back soon. This is how you do it. Quizzy, that come play it. This is how we do it. Quizzy, that come play it. Quiz is on the line. Just one at a time. Don't Google a lie. Phone a friend, you'll be fine. Just listen for the signs. TAB with the prize. 50 bucks if you wise. If you're wrong, and then we'll say goodbye. This is how we do it. This is how we do it. Quizzy, they come play it. Quizzy, they come play it. 0800 150 811. Now give us a call. Yes, give us a call, and the callers have called. Oh, eight hundred one five zero eight eleven. Jade from Hamilton. Morena to you, Jade. Morena, boys. Hey, firstly, Kimpy. How about those lions on Friday night, my man? 
<laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> oh, it must be the colours, eh? That yellow and black go <laughs> looks good when it's but it looks good when it's up against that blue and white. I should have said twenty plus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I hope you took it. Man, no, I didn't. I put it on the. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Pump them, pump them. Anyway, Jade, well done, well done. Hopefully, you can pick a winner this weekend. Canterbury taking on Wellington down here. Anyway, question number one: David Nika has knocked out an undefeated Kiwi fighter in Melbourne to remain undefeated himself. What round was the knockout in? Uh, we will say the first round. First round is incorrect. Sorry, Jade. Have a good day, brother. We're going to go to Timmy. Good luck Tim this week. Tim in Christchurch. Morning, Tim. How are we going, boys? How are you? Good, thank you. Morning, Tim. Good, good, good. David Nika knocked out undefeated Kiwi fighter Melbourne to remain undefeated himself. What round was the knockout in? Uh, two, wasn't it? Yep. Round two is correct. Question number two. Who did Namibia beat to cause a massive upset at the 2022 T20 World Cup? How good was this? Uh, was it England? No, wasn't England. Sorry, Tim. Have a good day. Lammy from Palmy North. <laughs> oh, morning now, Kimpy. And as well, how are you going, brother? <laughs> morning, good, thank morning. you, Lammy. How are you doing? <laughs> Oh, good, 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 Oh, there you go, there you go. I'll say something about the... but no, I don't want to get smart. <laughs> say it, say it. Hey, come on, come on. No, no, no. Get it out. No, no, no. Rip it to me. No, no, it's all right. 13, yeah, I've got 13 on one hole, okay? <laughs> <laughs> okay, brother. <laughs> oh, man. Deflated oh, now. Anyway, who... Who did Namibia beat to cause a massive upset at the 2022 um, T20 World Cup? I think it was uh, Sri Lanka, brother. Sri Lanka, yep. It was Sri Yeah, you got that right. Question... We did. <laughs> <laughs> Question number three. The Silver Ferns have gone two up oh. in the running of the Constellation Cup. Which commentary... Which commentary was broadcasted on SCNZ? Which of our SCNZ hosts is also our netball commentator? Oh, God. Would it be uh, Steffi? Steffi is correct. Ooh, All right, yeah. question, number f- <laughs> question number four. Aaron Gate received the bronze medal in the Omnium at the Track Cycling World Champs in the weekend. How many gold medals did he win at the Commonwealth Games? Oh, God. Um, oh, one, two, three. Four? He's on a heater. What a freak that was. Something a bit fishy here. Yeah. <laughs> Something <laughs> a bit fishy here. Yeah. Let me. I'll probably get the last answer mm. wrong anyway. So. Might have to get an interrogation going on here. Anyway, There's let me question number five. In which city will the NPC oh. Grand Final take place? Oh, no. <laughs> what city? Oh, yep. NPC final. Oh, would it be definitely not Palmy. <laughs> yeah, well, hey, yeah. <laughs> I wish it was. I wish it was. Anyway, brother. Now it's anyway. Lemmy, Lemmy, you've got it, and you've swooped it, brother. Well done. Hell,
Make sure you use that bet wisely oh. this weekend, Lammy. Oh, thank you, thank you. I'll bet Pongo next time again. <laughs> yes, nice. get old Pongo. Get old Pongo. Well done, Lammy. There he is. There. He's a cheeky fella, eh? He loves coming in and just ripping in the dagger. Maybe it's because I rip in the one or two turbos. If there's a final in Palmerston North, I will eat my hat and T-shirt and my undies and my pants, okay? <laughs> That's what I'll do. Let me see. You stay tuned. Anyway, we're going to shoot off. We'll come back, wrap up some text messages coming through. And then we've got Kevin Edo coming up after 7 o'clock to talk some Kiwis. Listen to Izzy and Kempi for breakfast. That was Quizzy Dag. Yes, welcome back and welcome. Well done to Lammy from Palmy North winning Quizzy Dag, giving himself... $50 bonus bet to go on something. Let us know what you get on, Lemmy. Give us a wee tip for the morning. But earlier on, we asked the question of the day. Who was the greatest sportsman or sports team or sports person to say they were the greatest and then got beat? Got beat. Woodley losing to Jake Paul. Tyron Woodley losing to Jake Paul. Absolutely knocked out. Amanda Nunes losing to Pena and then going back and getting that job done. Um, so there's a few there. Shane Cameron taking on David Tuart. Lights out. Lights on, lights off. Hey, <laughs> Bang. Keep those messages coming through. The Kiwis are taking on Lebanon shortly. That should be easy going for them. We've got Kevin Edel coming on to preview that and also review um, what went on over the weekend. A couple of big upsets and disappointing performances from Samoa, in particular losing to England. Ah, oh, just getting absolute hiding. But Italy getting the job done over uh, Scotland. So Kempi was up and about. But we'll be talking all things league after 7 o'clock. Before then, here's Aroha with the news for Kubota. Together, shaping and building New Zealand. To Chemist Warehouse for 25% off the INC Sports Nutrition range. Starting from 22.49. And Kogan Mobile, New Zealand's cheapest unlimited prepaid plans. Visit koganmobile.co.nz. This is Izzy and Kempe for breakfast on SENZ. Morning, Izzy and Kempi for breakfast on SCNZ. It is Monday, 17th of October. It's just after 7 o'clock. We've been talking league. We've been talking, wow, some quizzes, boxings. Who was the greatest sportsman or sports team who thought, considered themselves to be the greatest and got beat? There's been some great messages coming through. George St. Pierre, the great UFC fighter, getting knocked out. And then coming back to have one of the longest fighting streaks 
in sport. I went down and said Dirk Nowitzki and Dallas Mavericks beating uh, the star-studded Miami Heat to win the NBA title by himself. But keep those messages coming through. And Brett's come through. Izzy, what did you learn most about your game under that pressure that you'll take into your Wednesday haggle? What did I learn most? Ah, look, I, <laughs> I learned that golf is a difficult game, a very difficult game. And it just goes to show that when the pros are playing, the pros, man, it just shows when you're great, when you're a good pro, the difference from being good and great is huge. Man, they're just so good. Um, look, for me, I love golf. I'm never going to be competitive. And if I get another opportunity to go back and play the Charles Torbury, I'll go back and give it another crack. I'm not one to shy away from competition. And, well, our next guest is none of that above, too. So we're going to throw to you, Kempe, introduce our next guest. Yeah, mate. Well, the time for talking is over. We're less than 30 minutes away from the Kiwis kicking off the World Cup campaign against Lebanon. I think that game's at Warrington tonight. England showed in their opener that it doesn't matter what your team looks like on paper. It's about what you do on the park that counts. And one man that could be always relied on to show up on the day was the beast, Kevin Needle. The Kiwi legend joins us from the Cook Islands as we count down to the game today. Kiorana Kev, the beastie boy. Hey, go, man. Kiorana Kempi, how's it going? <laughs> Mate, good. Jeez, uh, what's the weather like up there? We're we getting a bit of cold, a bit of a cold snap down there. You must be enjoying <laughs> the sun. Oh, yeah, it's too hot here, actually. <laughs> too humid. <laughs> but, you know, someone's got to live up here, so. <laughs> That's the way. Hey, mate, the World, the World Cup, you're looking forward to it. What, what do you like about this Kiwi team that uh, we've put together for the World Cup? Well, obviously there's talent right across the board, but probably the main thing is you've got three cookie boys in there at the starting lineup, so can't go wrong. <laughs> three cookie boys getting the job done. Hey, but we saw, uh, Kevin, it's Izzy here, mate. Appreciate you coming on the show. <laughs> We saw it doesn't matter how stacked your side is. You saw with Samoa, they got a quality outfit, but they got demolished from England. So what does the Kiwis need to do to make sure they don't do the same thing that's, uh, that Samoa put on the park over the weekend? Yeah, well, I think most of the teams, because they watch that game, will be on high alert. And, you know, I think it looked like Samoa, most of those boys are still on Mad Monday mode, so... Um, you know, yeah. that, that sh- um, fired a bit of a warning shot over the head of all the other NRL boys. So I think the, the Kiwis won't ever have any problems in, in that respect. Hey, Kev, when you look at the – just going back, because that was my other question. When, you, when you're looking at the Kiwi side and you look at what Samoa and Tonga have done by, uh, by choosing their country over the, the likes of Australia and New Zealand, the three cookie boys in the Kiwi side, who are they and what would your Cook Island side look like if – they all went and played for uh, the Cook Islands and, as opposed to other countries? Yeah, well, I mean, obviously we're looking pretty strong anyway, but yeah, um, the Kiwi boys that uh, could have played for the Cooks was uh, Joey Manu, uh, Jordan Rapana and Chance Nicole Klockstead. So um, the last two that I mentioned, that they, they, they have already played for the Cooks. Uh, Joey hasn't played yet, but we're hoping maybe next World Cup and then you've got the likes of Valentine Holmes, who was sort of thinking about coming to the Cooks this year, but obviously chose Oz. And then, you know, you even got guys, um, even uh, Papali and um, 
from the Raiders, he's he he can play for the Cooks as well. So yeah, if if all the Cookie boys did put their hands up, it'd be you know reasonably good side. Yeah, and and the the side that you've put together and assembled up there, you're quite happy with. I see that KL, your boy, uh, your son who plays for Cronulla has made the side. You've got, obviously got your brother Tony coaching the side. What what are the Cooks bringing to the the competition? Yeah, yeah, no, and. and well, they've got a heap of experience. They've got guys that played in, in the World Cup. They were in like 19 and 20 back in 2013, and they're still around um, the likes of uh, Dylan Napa and Dominic Peru, um, Zane Tetevano. You know, so journeymen now, but, you know, hopefully they bring that uh, experience. And you've got young kids like KL and uh, young Mwali from South Sydney, um, Piakura from the Broncos. A lot of good uh, young talent coming through as well. So, yeah, I think they'll they'll they'll... They'll hold their own. Well, coming back to the Kiwis, it's about to start. The, the coverage has just come up on the TV now, so we're ready to unveil the Kiwis taking on Lebanon. For you, what would be a complete, a satisfying performance from the Kiwis taking on Lebanon that would give us some indication, okay, they're up, they've got a squad, but they've got the right game plan too? Yeah, I think, you know, just... The fact that they show, you know, they're, not, they're going to keep the error rate. They've got a fair side, particularly clubs. Um, and so they'll they'll have a well-controlled uh, game as well with Moses and Dewey. But, um, yeah, I, I just expect the Kiwis just to be too strong up front. And then, obviously, the spines, you know, unbelievable. Joey Manu at fullback, um, the, the metres he, he's been getting when he plays in that position is unbelievable. So... Yeah, I think they'll just be too much. But, yeah, you know, if they got the error rate down, it'll just sort of, I think it'll show that they're, they're all focused in. Hey, Kev, you've played at a, cup, you've played at a couple of World Cups. Um, you've played for both New Zealand and the Cook Islands. What, what does it take, mate? What do, what do players need to be doing consistently up there to make sure that they're competing at the right end of the competition? Oh, I think, you know, you, you've got to keep your, your sort of, you know your footy time your post game time sort of busy and, and and keep your mind off being homesick and being away from you know kids and families and all that and just focusing on you know getting a job done um and then keeping the body right you know you, a lot of these boys have come off massive seasons in the nrl and you know you can uh normally in an nrl season you know you'd be doing your rehab and all that every other day and your ice baths and that and you get on tour and sometimes you can be down at the mall most of the time so you know it's just about managing i think yeah managing off the field i could see a couple of, i think this potentially might what what would have went wrong with the samoan toy team just getting a bit of a bit excited over in the uk but for australia mate obviously they uh put on a performance up against fiji Ado Carr and uh, Cam Munster reigniting that combination that they had at the Storm, mate. Were you impressed with how Australia dismantled Fiji? Yeah, and I'm, well, I was actually impressed with Fiji how they started, but again, you know, it just comes down to that mm. depth and, and and the guys at that, that level who can just turn it on, you know, when they have to. And uh, yeah, the Aussies are going to be very strong as well. Um, you know, you're still looking at the, the big three, Aussie, New Zealand and, and um, England. But, I mean, Tonga and, and, and Samoa could turn things around. You know, you, you can't discount them just because of the, the personnel they have mm. on board. So, yeah, it's going to be a, a good tournament. Mate, living up, in the, living up in the islands, you've been up there for a while now. It's, uh, it's uh, you know, been quite a, quite a while 
um, since our careers have finished. What, what, just let everyone know what you're doing up there because you're doing some really good stuff up there too, aren't you, with that, that sea sanctuary that oh, you have the- around the islands? Yeah, yeah. So um, at the moment, you know, I've been doing a lot of work with the oceans, Marae Moana and um, our marine protected areas and all that sort of thing, working with communities and just uh, education and awareness around, you know, sustainability of our oceans and how important it is for us as Pacifica people. Uh, But yeah, I've done stuff like, um, you know, sports academies and all that sort of thing. So yeah, when you're in a small place, you sort of have your hand in a lot of things. So yeah, I've been doing quite a few things over here and uh yeah really enjoying it man what's it like over in uh cook islands i haven't ventured over there yet but i've heard it's an amazing place is is it getting busier tourists starting to make their way back to the island yeah yeah no the tourists are all back and uh things are thriving again with the tourism industry you're gonna have to get kempy to bring you up as he do a radio <laughs> yeah. show from up here yeah keen yeah, there mate. You go. You, it should be easy too, because now. But no, yeah, tourism's back and booming. And, uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're done. yeah, it should be easy getting back up there now that you're the the king of uh, the Cook Islands. I should be able to get a bit of a budget <laughs> out of your government. Um, but anyway, mate. Hey, all the best for the Cook Islands this uh, this coming tournament. I know that you've done some wonderful work up there. Uh, getting all those boys to choose uh, their their home heritage island over uh, those other countries, and go the Kiwis, mate. I know you, everyone here is pretty excited that we had you on this morning, and we'll talk soon. Yeah, cheers. Thanks for the chat, guys. Awesome. Thanks, Kevin. Oh, there he is, Kevin Edel. Kempi over in the islands, living island life. Man, it'll be. So good. I'm looking out my window. It's yark and foggy and horrible. And I bet you he's just sitting on the beach, chipping away and uh, feeling warm in his jandals and bare, yeah, bare feet in the, in the sand. And oh, so good. You been? How many times have you been to Cook Islands? Oh, a number of times. But I mean, so I've been up there. I've, been. I've been up there as a tourist. Then I've been up there as a, a guest of uh, of Kevin as whanau, You know, like spent time up there in the islands, living the island way. Man, I think I went up there one the f- second time I went up there. I went up there with Kevin in a week. I put seven kilos on. <laughs> yeah, well, so, so well, the, I got no the, chance in. At the end of the week, I had to say to him, "Mate, I can't eat anymore." Because, because you know, Cook Islanders they love to um, they're hospitable, and every time yeah. we went out, there was a feast, and the and all of his aunties would sit down next to you and just say. Here you get this and keep pushing that, you know, coconut lamb and all sorts of, you know, the coconut donuts and everything. Like we used to wake up in the morning, Kev would show up with coconut donuts from his aunties. And in the end of the week, man, I said to him, mate, we've got to stop going out. I can't eat anymore. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> I've got no chance, Kempe, then. I don't know if I can go over there. Ooh, I'll be rolling out of there. Wow, we that sounds awesome. Never ventured over to the Cook Islands, but that is on my to do list. It's a beautiful island, mate. And he's doing some. Mm. We should get him back on more than just an uh, more than just an athlete because he's he just touched on the sustainability of the ocean in Rarotonga, but yep. he's actually got it's the biggest marine park in the South Pacific, and he's got um, the rest of the world to recognise it as a marine park. He's worked on it for twenty years, so. Um, we should get him back on to talk about that because it's actually it's uh, world known. He goes around those conferences yep. around the world. So, 
mate, apart from rugby league, he's doing some pretty good, awesome other uh, community stuff as well. That is awesome. That is the heartbeat of the Pacific Islands is the ocean, the moana. So I uh, love what he's doing there and keeping it uh, vitalised and exuberant and all going. So appreciate that call. And look, look, let's chat. Oh, we, we touched on it with Samoa, Kempi, and I was a little bit like, wow, that, they just don't quite look quite right mentally, physically. They looked underdone. Were you, were you surprised? You must have been surprised with that. Well, I've been talking to... Um, my mate Carl Hall up there because he's the liaison officer who's looking after them up in Doncaster. And, you know, he was saying, yep, they're, they're happy, all that sort of stuff. And I gave him a call straight after the game and he just said they just didn't turn up, you know. And, and Kev's hit the nail on the head. You've got to think about it. They're probably still coming out of the back of, of celebrations yeah. and haven't yep. got themselves back up to the to the level that it needs to be. And the other, the other part of it is that England would have – used a lot of the post-celebrations from that Penrith backline as motivation. So, you know, what they've, what, what they've got is they've showed up half-hearted and England have showed up full-hearted and the line-hearted yeah. have, have, have done them, mate, and done them cold, you know. So yeah. can they come back? Well, they're going to have to play. It looks like they're going to have to play Tonga in the, in the, in the first uh, major and, mate, that's going to be a hard one. Yeah, that's going to be a hard one. I'm just watching Jesse Bromwich on the telly at the moment doing a wee little pre-match interview. But yeah, Samoa, not quite there with their preparations. And well, that just shows you don't prepare right. You come out on the wrong end of the stick. Uh, that was Kevin Edo. If you've just tuned in, you can have a listen to that little podcast on Izzy and Kempi for breakfast on the SCNZ app. Talking all things league and Cook Islands. He's over in the islands. He invited me over, and I'm going to take up that offer with you, Kimpy. We'll go over and put on seven kilos each, eh? How good. <laughs> We're going to shoot off. We're going to come back with Kimpy's off the back fence. Where is Kimpy going to go today? Where is his mind sitting right now? It's always one of my most uh, fun parts of the morning. And he gets the mind going. Kempi's off the back fence. You're listening to Izzy and Kempi for breakfast. Thanks to the Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. Off the back fence with Tony Kemp. To win with humility means to win in such a way that you feel good about yourself. It means to embrace sportsmanlike conduct and behaviour, not asking someone who's your daddy. It also means a sincere appreciation even admiration of your opponent's abilities, knowing that they probably worked as hard, if not harder, than you did. If you enter a game without an understanding of humility, you will lose no matter what the outcome. You will lose time, self-respect, even the respect of your opponent, who will easily detect your lack of inner integrity. The England Rugby League team are the first team to benefit from a certain lack of humility. They were not going to be disrespected and certainly weren't about to let certain players call them out, asking them, who's your daddy? England looked like men playing boys, but none of them, post-game, stood on a platform screaming from the rooftops about how good they were. Well done, England. Play hard, done good. Daddy, I'm guessing, has nothing else to say. Off the back fence with Tony Kemp. Oh, Kempi, hey, who's your daddy, hey? Jerome Law, are you talking about me? Referencing so, look, like, yeah, I was just baffled before what I went on. Like there was, there were certain parts of that game where you, you get you get an understanding how much you care about your team and where you're at mentally. 
when you look around the ball and how many people have turned around to get back and chase down that uh, attacker that's made a little break. There was one occasion there when uh, their the winger, I can't remember his name, made a break. He passed on the inside. There were six English players around this one, around the support guy. Yeah. And Brian To'o was by himself. Yeah, I saw that. That was and, Elliot. And they, yeah, Elliot. And, and look, it's just like, that's when you get an understanding of where their mentality's at. And you're right, like, um, it's it's probably the biggest question you need to ask about the Samoan team that had so much expectations leading into this performance and where it all went wrong. And obviously, Carl Hall will know more. He's in the back room. Maybe he potentially is not telling you enough. Yeah. Was, we'll there a little bit of, was there a little bit of sneaking out and doing a bit of this? But I tell you, when you go on tour, you get it pretty excited pretty quick, I tell you. You know, there's opportunities to go out, see the night lights, see the bright lights, and uh, have a wee look. I'm not saying that's what went on, but that's where you got to get the preparation riders off the field. You know, Kevin Edel touched on it. Should I go to the mall and have a shop, or should I ice my knee and, and put some recovery tights on? Yeah. You know, there's those X, those little things there. But, mate, yeah, interesting, eh, with Samoa? Well, yep, and, and a lot of chatter too before the game about um, emulating uh, Tonga's run and what it would mean to the country and then turning up with that um, type of game doesn't actually reflect on, on what, you, what you're actually trying to, trying to achieve. So, I, well, look, I've, I've got no doubt that Sean Wayne, the coach of the English side, had used a lot of that post-Penrith um, banter as motivation yep. for his English side. You know, he would have said the things like, you know, we don't want these guys to be standing on a pedestal telling us that they've just owned us. And, you know, the big Burgess up front, they, look, they, when they scored their first um, couple of tries and they just ran through the middle of the, the ruck, have a look who ran through, was both halfbacks. There was no defence in that, in that Samoan side. And I don't care what they, they, they do for the rest of the tournament. If they don't tighten up that defence, they'll get carved up by the top teams 100%. Mate, look, listen to this team. Tyrone May... Martin Tapao, Ueli, Junior Polo, Junior Soul, uh, Alolai, um, who else he got on the back line? Suwali, Fido, Isaac Tango, Stephen Crichton, Brian Tao, Jerome Lua, Anthony Milford, Josh Papali, Danny Levi, Junior Polo. That is a hell of a team. That is a hell of a team. And get pumped 60-6 to up against England. Man, if they don't come out and, and just show some sort of fight and determination and a bit of pride back in that Samoan jersey, it's going to be a long performance. I'm just watching the Kiwis do the haka up against Lebanon. you got the cheese out the front, and you got Fisher-Harris throwing it out, mate. It is starting, Kempe. It's been a long time coming. The Kiwis World Cup campaign is here. It's about to get started. That's exactly right. About time. Let's uh, hope that they get the job done. Michael Checker and uh, Mitchell Moses. I'm pretty sure they'll throw up some, some, uh, some. You know, you looked at like the way that he played last time for Lebanon, Mitchell Moses, and he was doing some outstanding individual um, plays. But yeah, if you have a look at that Kiwi team right across the back back line, the forward pack, Kieran Foran's obviously starting, um, and at half back. So yeah, a little bit of a late change there, but other than that, mate, it should it should be a good one. I think I think Dooley and Moses because of that um, that just shift of spine there, and that two, those two blokes, at least they'll have a kicking game. They should, they should be able to contain them for a short while. Yeah, no, nah, it's going to be a tough ask for Lebanon, but if anyone can do it, 
Mitchell Moses, and you got Josh Mansell playing on the wing too. Bit of an NRL experience. We're going to shoot off. That was uh, Kempi's off the back fence. Talking about Samoa, England. Who's your daddy now? Well, England, they got the job done over Samoa. We're going to shoot away, and we're going to come back with some news from Joey. But here's Aroha with the news for Kubota. Together, we're shaping and building New Zealand. For breakfast, it is 28 to 8. Joey Bell here on your fine Monday morning. Actually, I don't know if it's fine. What's it, what's it like down there in, in Christchurch, is he? What's the weather like? Yuck. 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 Today, she's cloudy with a bit of fog. So, uh, you wouldn't believe it. I've got another golf thing today, so oh, <laughs> I'm going to redeem. I'm going to redeem myself. <laughs> That leads nicely into uh, uh, Choices Flooring Bowl, is he? Uh, okay. Choices Flooring, Floors for Living Sale on now at Choices Flooring. Uh, because Performance of the Weekend, uh, Old Faithful, mm. um, <laughs> Performance of the Weekend was at the Lions and Lions, who um, destroyed Auckland. I was, oh. I was upset to see that. Was it the Silver Ferns? Lebanon. Oh, have, Sorry. Have, <laughs> oh, have Lebanon scored, is he? They probably have in the first minute. Anyway, go. Sorry. Hold. Oh. Uh, Giga kicking the Everest, or is he? Are your knees the MVP of the weekend after your uh, <laughs> after walking around clear water quite a bit? <laughs> Joey, hey, you love a little cheeky fella, aren't you? Yeah, You're yeah. confident now. Are you lunch? Who's the MVP? Is that seriously one of them? Yeah, this is one of my them. My knees. Yeah, yeah of oh. course. That's my vote. Well, is he? It ain't, ain't my knees. It ain't my knees. My, I am sore. Oh, mate, my body's in, in pieces. Look, I played Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Rested Sunday. I'm playing again today. So five rounds in six days. So. <laughs> and and the, obviously the whanau's still up in Gizzy? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're coming home tomorrow. They're coming home tomorrow. Uh, that's a good one, uh, Joey. I'm going to go Wellington. I'm going to go Wellington, man. They they honestly destroyed Auckland. I thought it was going to be a lot closer than that. They just put them away. And I'm a little bit wary of a, of a Wellington full of confidence, knowing the confidence that TJ is and Julian, to come down here and potentially beat the, the Canterbury side. Canterbury side did hard, made hard work of Bay Plenty. You've got to commend Bay Plenty for how they came down here and, and defended like they lost, defended on it. But, um, yeah, I'm a bit wary. Wellington. So that will be performance of the weekend for me, Kempe, for mm. you. Uh, yeah, look, I'd, I have to give it to Wellington too. I'd, I'd love Giga Kick in the way that it uh, it won the Everest. I thought that was an outstanding oh, effort by the three-year-old. Um, your knees, that put in a massive effort over five days. Mm. You know, you've got another one today. Obviously, the Voltarans <laughs> are working. And, yeah, Wellington though, mate, if they're – and we said that, if there's a team that's going to – going to beat Canterbury, it's the unpredictability of Wellington. They show up and decide to play footy. Like some of their tries, I was like, wow, they, they were really, really good. And if you're going to beat Canterbury, you're going to have to bring your you bring that type of game, your A game to it. So um, for me, Wellington, mate, I think getting that, that job done against Auckland, not getting that job done, that was a walk in a park. 
Yes, yeah, smoked them. Absolutely smoked them. It wasn't for Fergus Burke. Well, I don't know if Canterbury would have got the job done. He scored 24 points for Canterbury over, over Bad Plenty. And Bad Plenty had their chances. I think it was 11-10 for a bit there. And then uh, Ramika Poipi made a wee break with probably a try. He offloaded it to Brody McAllister. And then Brody McAllister offloaded it to Fergus Burke. And Fergus Burke, 24 points in the game. What is your choices flooring poll? Giga kick. That would have to be up there. If you watch that run, there's a little clip on Twitter, a little video clip from the start to the finish. You watch Giga Kit's um, performance. Craig Williams just sitting in it, behind it, and then towards the last 200 metres or maybe, 300 metres, just pulls out, starts tracking, starts tracking, gets over the head of Nature Strip and Mazu to win the Everest. It was a great ride, wasn't it, Kempi? It was a it was a very, very patient ride and just knew he had an engine underneath underneath him. He weaved himself through yeah. that middle of the pack. A nature strip I thought was home, is I thought when he let when he let, let down on the on the straight and went two lengths clear, I thought Montgomery have to be good to catch him. And uh well, it was a good good it was a good horse. How good is Giga Kick gonna be? That's that's the that's the question. The new superstar, the new world he beat the world's best sprinter. He's yeah. a three year old. That 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 means, and you know what a three year old is. He got a lot of. He's got a lot more to come. So we might be looking at an absolute freaky Lebanon gone in front six 0 here in the third minute. Josh Mansour, hey, if you if you put some money on him to score the first try, he would have made plenty. <laughs> I know, mate. I seen that. I said, what would he been paying? It wasn't a good start off the kickoff. Lebanon went short and. Uh, they got the ball back and then just hit the ground running. Great to see it. Lebanon leading 6-0 after three minutes. We'll keep you up to date throughout the show. Coverage live on Spark Sport. How good. Uh, we're going to talk uh, just on that, Kempi. I was just doing some reading. We're going to shoot off and we'll come back with some, with some uh, open the phone lines up for you. But it was interesting reading. You've touched on it a few times. Louis touched on it a few times. Halberg's recognition for the mm. racing fraternity. You've got James McDonald, the leader. You've got... Um, Chris Waller, uh, the coach. Chris Waller, Chris Waller, the coach, the trainer, what he's been doing with these horses. You've got to think that the amount of success he's had in the game, but no recognition back here. Steve Hansen's come out and said before the race, this was before the race for the Everest, that Chris Waller should win the Halbergs. Yeah. Should win the Halbergs next year. Yeah, and and we've been saying that on here for the last twelve months. You know, the the racing industry, knowing the racing industry isn't recognised. The first thing they need to do, and and I've spoken to to, to Bruce uh, Sherrick about about this. You know, and and he needs high performance New Zealand sport to recognise it. Is that the jockeys and the and the trainers are athletes. They they they're training. They're training people how to ride horses. They're training horses just like they're training athletes. And what Steve Hansen said in the prelude to the to the Everest around um, his thoughts on Chris Waller being being put into the the mix with the um, the Halbergs, he'd win it hands down. He would win the Halbergs hands down. You know what I mean? So the problem we got is that sport New Zealand doesn't recognise the sport of kings as an actual sport. <laughs> it's, it's ironic, isn't it? Um, That's crazy. But Chris Wallace and J-Mac, they've got to be in the mix. And and I know J-Mac's been in it, but I think the worst thing about that is they don't understand the racing um, the racing game and the actual the impact that the, the trainers and the jockeys are actually having on the world stage. Because they are, you know, we've got 
arguably the two best in the world who are Kiwis, you know, Central District's boy and Chris Waller, and, of course, Jay Mack, you know. Some of his rides are unbelievable. Yeah. Only Jay Mack would get it home, you know. So yeah. he's got – he's, he's got, and the thing with it, he's got lot, a lot more coming. So whether they recognise it, I think first of all is trying to get it across high-performance New Zealand to say, yep, we actually recognise them as athletes and coaches. And you got to thank Andrew Forsman too. A message has come through. How from good Nick was Forsman he on the weekend? It had to be Andrew Forsman's oh. outstanding. Nick from Wellington, a hundred percent, Nick. Because you think what happened a lickety split? You think, oh no, you know he had to drop his head. He went to Caulfield and put on a clinic to win three group races there over the weekend and to get the job done. And how good was it to see Aegon back? Aegon, a horse that has had so much potential and has given us uh, little glimpses over its wee career, came back to New Zealand, hasn't run as well as it had, went back to Australia and just flew home and just winning it by a nostril, but still getting the job done. Aegon to win it in the last, mate. So it's, uh, Andrew Forsman, Kempe as well, mm. has to be recognised as one of, the, one of the best as well, him and Chris Waller. So I just can't, it baffles me how they're not getting the recognition back here in New Zealand. Our very own on the world stage, not even being recognised. One day we're going to get a situation where they're going to turn their back on, on New Zealand. We'll always be home. Don't get me wrong. It'll always be home for them. But you still want to be recognised, surely. It was a real interesting um, viewing on the weekend, as you know, because you've got the Livermore Group 1 down at Hawke's Bay and the, the umbrellas up. It looked like everyone was having a really good time. Um, the baby of the, of the event, because then it switched to Ranwick, on Everest Day, honestly, and it oh, looked cool. like it looked like the the Livermore was a car park party compared to Ranwick being a <laughs> being a, a NFL grand final party. You know what I mean? So, um, of course, we're going to lose the best over over to Australia if we don't if we don't start recognising these people. The stakes money is obviously the big one, but um, yep. I just I just think that. You know, if the TAB, NZ, NZ Racing together are putting so much money back into sport, because you also got to remember that they give back to sport. So a lot of this, a lot of this um, funding of sports, especially our community sports, rugby league's a big, a big um, recipient of of funding from the TAB. Without rate the racing and the and the and the TAB, then we'd actually struggle for funding. So we should be recognising them at the other end on the on the positive side and saying, well, these these guys from the racing industry should be recognised because you're giving back to sport um, as as the sport best coaches, best trainers, best best jockeys. Mm, yeah, it's interesting. Century oh eight hundred one five zero eight eleven. Kennard's higher phone line. Simon, give us a call. Oh eight hundred one five zero eight eleven. We're talking racing. And Halbergs and recognition back here in New Zealand as a purist, a sports purist. Would you be okay if Chris Waller, J Mac, won the prestigious award, or do you consider racing not to be a sport? Oh eight hundred one five zero eight eleven. We want to hear from you. Kinar Tire phone line is open. We're going to shoot off. We'll be back soon to talk more sport. Yes, welcome back. Kiwis taking on Lebanon six all. They're under the. Pump a wee bit, Josh Mansell getting a little crossfield kick and just getting taken out, bundled out on the touchline. But we'll keep you up to date throughout the show. We've been talking the Halbergs, New Zealand Racing should be considered 
in the Halbergs. Mark from Tauranga has come through. Morning lads at Aroha, 100% racing should be recognised in the Halbergs. Every sport, no matter how big, small or controversial, should be considered. If it's the award for the best of the best New Zealand has to offer, everyone should be considered. We need to stop being snowflakes and PC. That is from Mark right <laughs> on the money, Marky. Appreciate your messages. Come through. Halbergs, Andrew Forsman, Chris Waller, J-Mac, should they be considered for the Halbergs? Steve Hansen thinks so. He agrees, but of course he is because he's getting paid from over there. So no matter what <laughs> from Steve Hansen. Another message from Richie. This is a good question for you, Kempi. Morena team, I had an interesting chat with the, lad, with the lads on the weekend about who is the next Kiwis coach and who would we like to see? I think Todd Payton. What are your thoughts, Kempi? Well, yeah, I don't want an Australian to coach the Kiwis. Um, I just think you can build depth and pathways for our our coaches if we if we are actually allowed to to give them the opportunity in in mm. positions and around uh, New Zealand. But even even this morning when they they cut to the coaches box, it was full of Australians and. Um, you know, you've got really good coach. If you look at the most success we've had down here, they've always been with Kiwi coaches. You know, yep. Graham Lowe, Bluey McLennan, Frankie Endicott. Um, you know, we've had Daniel Anderson coach the Kiwis. We've obviously got Madge Maguire coaching the Kiwis. I just, I just, you know, for me, I think someone like a, a Richie Blackmore should be. He should have been in here a number of years ago. Stacey Jones, who's a part of the structure now. Um, you know, you got Tony Edward there. You've got a number of number of people. That that could be given a crack at it, um, but you know, so I had one of my mates. He he texted me on the weekend saying the same thing, and I I said, oh look, I'd I'd love for a Kiwi coach, and he said, oh let's just wait and see how they go. Eh? And I'm, it's not about the performances on the field for me, is he? I think yep. when you're building that culture, an Australian coach doesn't actually understand a lot of what where these kids have come from. And how you can actually get a bit more out of them, and when, when at the end of the day you've got that that one percent that you're looking for, I think Kiwis knowing who they are and where they come from is is a real big part of getting that one percent out of them. You know, so yeah, that's the, that's my own opinion, and and you know, and that's the case with the Warriors too, Kimpy. The identity, they don't know where they are, what they're about. Like there's just a a separation there, I feel anyway, and and that's why you get separate performances from them. You just don't know where you're going to get. They need to figure out the identity, and it's the same with the Kiwis. The question is with the Kiwis, and you've touched on it briefly, is do we have the depth in New Zealand with New Zealand coaches to be able to take over that role, uh, that role, International Rugby League? That is the pinnacle. You know, you think NRL is the pinnacle? Oh, I think International League is, is the pinnacle. If you want to play for the Kiwis, that is your greatest achievement as a league player, playing for your national team. So have we got the depth in New Zealand to fulfil that role in the Kiwis? Richie Blackmore, Stacey Jones didn't even want to take over the Warriors. Does he even want to be a part of the Kiwis and take that head coach role? He's pretty timid, doesn't like the limelight. So yeah, is he, is he, is he someone? There's a, <clears throat> look, there's a real difference here in, in the All Blacks and the Kiwis. The, the, the Kiwis play one or two games a year, yeah? Yeah. And yep. the, the difference in the players is that they're in a, a twenty-six round competition annually, which which means that when they're coming into an environment like this, there's not a hell of a lot of coaching that goes on. Yeah, it's about it's about managing everything around that 
that team to make sure that they can perform at their best and put it, putting the right team out on that park to perform. So, you know, yep. the, the current structures in, in attack, for instance, are all the same. You've got lead runners, you've got middles, you've got edges, you know. It, it's a, it's not rocket science. But, yep. you know, we tend to, you know, the, 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 the irony of this is that Magic Maguire doesn't coach in the NRL. He's been sacked. So if you're putting a, if you're putting measures around where our Kiwi coach is at, what we're saying is, well, we, we haven't got a Kiwi coach, but then we're saying, well, we've employed a, a coach that's got sacked in the NRL. Mm. You know? And I just don't think we give that um, that area enough thought of how do we create, you know, a, a model where our best iconic coaches who might be ex-Kiwis, who might be ex-coaches come in and run our Kiwi team for one or two games a year. Yeah, beautiful, Kempi. Love it, love it, mate. Passion as always. We're going to shoot off. We're going to come back. Tony from Auckland is on the lines. We'll get to him before the news. Listen, Izzy and Kempi. Yes, coming up to 8 o'clock. We've got Tony on the Kenard's High phone line talking league. Morena to you, Tony. Yeah, morning, guys. Morning. Hey, look, I reckon um, we're missing our local comp, the, the Fox, uh, mm. the uh, New Zealand uh, competition. That, is, that, that just seems to have just vanished. Uh, we've bled a lot of good players out of that comp, and then they'd move on to the to the Warriors reserves, and then they'd move on to the Warriors top team. Uh, we're missing that cycle, I reckon. We're too busy. Uh, we need to look after the New Zealand comp and get, get something going here. Yeah, Fox we're, back. we're definitely missing missing a national comp, Tony. It's a massive problem because yeah. we're just becoming a recruitment bed for the NRL. They're taking all of our kids, and our, we can't build competitions. But it doesn't mean that we can't find coaches um, of New Zealand quality to sit in that box with Michael Maguire over there today instead of a bunch of Australians. Stephen Price from St. George is sitting next to him. I don't like that. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting there. Uh, Tony, appreciate your call. We've touched on it. The pathways within New Zealand for league has disappeared. And then, well, you got teams coming over and recruiting 14-year-olds, 15-year-olds down here in Christchurch, taking them back to the Gold Coast because they've got more opportunity. It's one of the biggest wow, mysteries going along in the New Zealand League. Can they get it right? Coming up, we're going to talk some Black Ferns. We're going to talk some Rugby World Cup for women's. Nick Heath from ITV Rugby World Cup, commentator in the UK. He'll join us. Here's Arul Health, the news for Kubota. Together, we're shaping and building New Zealand. Support a healthy gut with the Metamucil range now starting from 1979 at Chemist Warehouse. And Kogan Mobile, New Zealand's cheapest unlimited prepay plans. Visit koganmobile.co.nz. This is Izzy and Kempe for breakfast on SENZ.
morning. Izzy and Kempi for breakfast on SENZ Monday, 17th of October, and it's just after 8 o'clock if you've just tuned in. That's all right. The Kiwis taking on Lebanon right now, and, well, they're leading 12-6 after 27 minutes, making a little bit of hard work of it, but Lebanon are playing well. They're starting to get some, well, continuity going at the moment. Nelson Asafasolumuna getting over and uh, scoring them, putting them ahead by six points. We'll keep you up to date, and we've just been talking league. Who is going to be the next coach of New Zealand? Well, they need to get back to the grassroots and create pathways in a competition, a genuine competition in the country. Kempi, just quickly before we talk some Rugby World Cup and the Blackfoods, Bartercard Cup competition, mm. that used to be huge. Is that still taking place now? No. None of that. No, there's so why, no, why no national that competitions played on a weekly basis at all, mate. Um, yeah, well, that's the million-dollar question, isn't it? isn't it? That's the million-dollar <laughs> question. I'll tell you what, I've just had a look at the staff up there. I used to think that 10 staff members for a, a, an international um, team were plenty. They've taken 16. You know what I mean? I, it's For me, we don't... Uh, we don't actually spend our, our funding wisely and we don't actually do any development in this country. We, it just needs to be sorted out. People yeah. people, people need to s- actually see what's going on in rugby league. And for, the easiest way for, for me, is he? NRL needs to take over. Yeah. Okay. Barakat Cup. And I used to love watching that on the telly and, and watching that take place. It's gone. It's disappeared. It's crazy, crazy, crazy. But right now we're going to talk some Rugby World Cup. What another weekend of action in the Women's Rugby World Cup. The Black Ferns got the job done against Wales while the Aussies snagged their first win in pool play in a tight one over Scotland. But the game of the round has to be England v France, which lived up to the hype as neither team were willing to give an inch. That fierce French defence, though, relented just enough to allow English to extend their undefeated streak to 27 tests and re-establish themselves as tournament favourites. Well, in some people's at least, to break down the game and more for us as ITV Rugby World Cup commentator Nick Heath, who is over there in the UK. Evening, Nick. Morning to you. Evening. Good morning. How are you? Good. Thank you, mate. Let's talk us through that French taking on the English. There was no love lost. Genuine. Wow. I hate to say it. It's a harsh word, but hate for each other, mate. What a, what a game. Yeah, absolutely brilliant, wasn't it? And it is that rivalry that has been the real focus for women's rugby fans across the world. We know, obviously, the, the history with the Black Ferns and, and that they are always at the top table. But we've we've had the chance to enjoy England, France, uh, plenty through the Women's Six Nations every every spring up here. Um, they put in plenty of, uh, of friendlies as well against each other. And they've just driven the standards really high up here in Europe. And uh, I've been over to France commentating on the French quite a lot. Lot and uh, and look, the Red Roses' record of 27 consecutive wins speaks for itself as well. So it was always going to be tight. I actually was surprised at how tight it was because the French uh, lost a warm-up game to Italy. They weren't all that convincing in a second game they had against them uh, the week before. Uh, they uh, they have just looked a little out of sorts since a couple of coaching changes since the end of the Six Nations. So I, I was even hesitating, given the English juggernaut, that they might put 20, 25 points on France. But boy, did Le Bleu turn up. It was brilliant. 
Hey, Nick, the, the World Cup, are you surprised at the standard of it? And and which other teams that you've watched do you think are, uh, are, are going to challenge the English Roses? Uh, the standard's been been fantastic. And I actually think that the latest watershed moment in, in where teams have gone in terms of their professional outlook and their ability and their skill set has been as much about the preparation time many of the teams have had before arriving in Aotearoa rather than just what they've they've done since they've been on the ground. Because, you know, England have been professional for, for, for a few years now. They had eight weeks together in preparation, which has, has never been done before. The Welsh only went professional earlier this year they had plenty of weeks together before they went so actually this familiarity managing to get the strength and conditioning in all those edges that really make a difference at the top level uh have been happening over the sort of end of the summer up here before those teams have gone down so um you know that's why we're seeing an even greater level and so many of these games even where they're finishing a little bit more one-sided at times for the Mm. first 40 the first 60 they're still pretty tight um, as for the other teams that I think are bringing it, I think Canada are very, very quietly going about their business. Um, I called their match against Italy last night uh, here in the UK. And uh, and yeah, while Italy were, were desperate to, to play with all the flair, I think Beatrice Rigoni, the Italian 12, uh, is everybody's second favourite rugby player. She's an absolute baller. Uh, but while Italy <laughs> were trying to play, the Canadians just, you know, gently put the foot on the throat. They went catch and drive. Titosi got two more tries so add to the three she got the week before to be the top try scorer in the comp and Canada reminded us all why they're four time semi-finalists so so they are they are they are you know coming along very nicely so I, I think uh, my prediction for those semi-finals will be New Zealand France England and Canada Ooh, well then give us some little bit of hope with New Zealand down under we've been getting excited but if I'm completely honest the set piece Worries me. They got obviously exposed yesterday against the Welsh and the rolling more the scrum scrum era, so that's gonna be a huge concern. But anything that has impressed you with the Black Ferns? Yeah, I think I think their overall attitude. Uh, I think you know we've had a number of, of women's teams over the course of the last year, eighteen months, who have found the power to speak out and, and speak up and make and demand change, call out where the treatment hasn't been fair. And, uh, and the Black Ferns have done it. Canada have done it. Wales have done it. Um, and, uh, and that's what we need. We need people to be held accountable because the women's game is growing. Participation is soaring. It's outstripping participation of the amateur men's game in the UK. Um, and yep. so, you know, the Black Ferns managing to do that and get themselves together over the last year, I think has been really impressive. I, I was calling their games when they visited here last November. And, uh, well, look, let's let, let's not uh, remind Forget ourselves that. of it too much. But they <laughs> Four, yeah, four pretty big losses. But they handed out 15, you know, new caps, ultimately, 15 debutants on that tour. Um, and I'm really impressed with how quickly uh, the Black Ferns have come together. We always know the quality, the basics that you guys do down there so well. Men's and women's rugby is, is just another level. So I'm really enjoying what I'm seeing. But I think you're right to look at the set piece because that is the hallmark of the English side. Their catch and drive. Canada mm. is showing they've got that in their armory as well. So, uh, so yeah, I think I think probably up front the northern hemisphere are shading it but that back line the likes of Ruahe Demont the likes of Ruby Tui Portia oh. Woodman scoring an obscene amount of tries in World Cups what's she on 18 now uh, I think uh, the, the matchup when these teams start to meet is absolutely mouthwatering. Hey Nick do you think in that in that case you know with it being a World Cup and there will be a little bit of um, caution thrown out there would uh would we match them up front? Would the English have the 
the play uh, to to match the 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 Kiwis, or do you think it's just based on set play kicking game? I think I think the physicality and possibly the fitness of the English is going to be greater than than what, what the Black Ferns have currently. Um, it's just the the nature of the abrasive forwards that England have, and they've got a long line of them. Whether they're the ones in the starting fifteen, the twenty three, or or further back, or even those on these shores that, that didn't make the final thirty two. Um, you know, there, there's plenty of talent within that Black Ferns team, and um, I'm not going to be the one to front up to any of them in a coffee shop and tell them they can't take it to the English. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but I think I think that'll be a slight area where I think they're not you know as I say where England and France and Canada may feel they've got an edge. But um, I while, while I think all those teams will be very proud of of what they offer defensively, um, I'm not yet convinced by England's backline. They've got a star in Emily Scarrett. Zoe Harrison's been slightly off her game. They've got great wingers who they seem to get the ball to relatively easily. But if there is a decent three quarter line defence there. Uh, then, uh, then I'm not quite sure what England's other options are. They're not content to play off nine, um, so so I think that'll be really interesting when they when they come up against teams and and a team like the Black Ferns, coached by Wayne Smith, that will have all the rugby nouse uh, that will really question them. Yes, well, we're just going to touch on Emily Scarrett. Where does she, where does she sit in conversation of all time greats, and how do England? Unlock her. She's probably the biggest star in the competition when it comes in terms of global superstars. Emily, everyone knows her name. So how do they unlock her and where does she sit in, in terms of, of greats? I hope Ruby Tui is not listening to you say that, by the way. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I think, you know, she is right out there. She's a former, former World Rugby World Player of the Year. Uh, she scored all of England's points uh, in the game uh, yesterday. Yeah. Um, she's world-class, absolutely world-class. She's worked on her kicking game. Um, it's uh, it's exemplary most of the time. I think she was getting used to the match ball probably in that first one, but uh, but was more on song uh, <laughs> against the French. Um, and uh, it's, it's also the stuff, you know, she's not always going to be cutting through the midfield, which she is capable of doing, but actually... Her catch pass and her vision as to what option to take is really what sits her a cut above. Her rugby brain seems to work just one or two phases quicker than everybody else's. And uh, and so her ability to give her wingers the space to create that little ball back inside or if she's going to act like a 12 as much as a 13 and hit the contact and try and get the ball free. I, I think she's she's got an all-court game, and that's why she's she's up there and, and has had such longevity. It's why she was a World Cup winner uh, eight years ago, and, and I know that those Red Roses have got their eye on that trophy once again. Hey, Nick, just tell us a little bit about Simon Middleton. We all know, you know, um, about the Kiwis and the coaching staff, the Henrys and all that that are helping down here, but Simon Middleton's come out of Rugby League um, from Castleford, mm-hmm. He's, he's now picked up the World Coach of the Year. Uh, just what what is it so special about Simon that he's that he that brings to the English Rose team? Well, Simon Middleton came into the England setup alongside Gary Street when they uh, when they went to France in 2014 and, and lifted the trophy. And uh, and the sort of previous era, to give context to where Simon Middleton is, was was very much a period of the game where. 
there was a lot of arm around the shoulder, almost sort of father figure stuff from coaches to to develop the women and, and make them feel that this was a safe space for them to to learn the game, develop their physicality and, and be able to to play the game at the highest level. But but that was sort of that period. And actually, by the time they lifted that trophy, the game was beginning to change. The commitment from the players, their understanding of what was needed of them was changing. And, and it was a perfect change of the guard, really, for Simon Middleton to take over because, uh, as he said in a, in a documentary that was that was done behind the scenes with the Red Roses just before they, they left these shores. He said he coaches the same, whether it's men or women. And ultimately, he's not interested in the fact that the women's game may be younger and that there are there, there may not be as many professional sides. He is going to coach his side as he would any team. And and his standards are high. Um, and uh, and so, yeah, he uses his league background, uh, his relationships with the players. He, he wants to get the best out of them as people, the best out of them as players as well. Um, and uh, and he's brought in former England second row Lewis Deacon as well to help with the forwards. He's got Scott Beeman looking after the backs. But um, but Mids, as he's known, he's uh, he is a good Northern lad who's who's played his rugby league, um, and uh, and he's very proud of where he's taking taking this England team. Just quickly, Neith, uh, Nick, sorry, Neith, Nick Heath, um, mate. Just in terms of pay equity, um, do you do you feel like it's a fair reflection of where the women's game? Is it at the moment and, and women's players are content or have we got a hell of a long way to go? What was that in terms of what they're paid? Yeah, like pay equity and just where they're getting the recognition and sport from their unions, where they're at at the moment. Do you feel like it's a flare reflection of where the game's at globally? globally or do you feel like yeah. we've got a long way to go? I think the uh, part of the issue is, you know, we've still got teams that aren't fully professional. The Italians have joined the party. The Scots are going to be going professional after the Rugby World Cup. Um, but you've got a team like France. They've been offered, you know, greater and more more full-time contracts than they have. But some players have opted to keep them as part-time. They like the fact that they've got something outside of rugby. They've got full-time careers and, and actually they want to go and, and train in the extra hours. So um, so some, some women out there are, are not keen to just snap up full-time professional contracts. I think, look, we know the women's game is growing. We know that the full commercial value is not quite yet reflecting the growing interest in the game. Game. We had nearly a million people tune in to the coverage of that France-England game here, which is fantastic. Uh, England and, and, and the RFU up here have got a target to uh, to sell the first standalone women's international at Twickenham for England-France to conclude uh, next uh, April's Women's Six Nations uh, with a target to sell out Twickenham when the World Cup is hosted up here in 2025. So the numbers are growing. The, uh, the investment is growing. The commitment from the players, plenty of these squads have been training and acting like professionals for many years. So you want them to be remunerated and, and remunerated fairly. Um, there are all sorts of questions in the men's game up here at the minute with two men's clubs in all sorts of trouble and being uh, being sent yeah. into administration in the men's ship in Worcester and Wasps. So I think we need to be realistic about how the money gets into the women's game. The RFU, on a club perspective, have a strategy for 10 years, uh, which is to put money into the women's club game to get it professional, but it's only expected to break even after seven years. So everyone's aware of the time it's going to take. They do need to be remunerated, but I think everyone has to understand that progress is good, but doing it at the right pace is really important. 
Yeah, that's spot on, mate. It's crazy what's going on up there, with, particularly with the Wasps. This club with so much history, I can't believe it's happening, but that's just the, the world we're living in at the moment. It's very, very tough out there, mate. We appreciate you coming on, Nick Heath, ITV Rugby World Cup commentator, talking all things Rugby World Cup. Down under here, we're hoping our Black Ferns can go forward. They've got a long way to go, though. England are looking quality, as always. Thank you so much, Nick. Pleasure. Appreciate it. There is Nick Heath out of the UK and talking about our Black Ferns. The set piece is worrying me, Kempi. I know it'll be worrying you too, mate. Yesterday, they obviously, when it's unstructured and they're able to play with some freedom, they look classy. I'm still questionable on two things. Set piece is one of them. And yesterday, the kicking game, the, the kicking non-existent game. kicking mm. game is... Crazy. They can't they won't be able to run it from their own twenty two against an English side that defensively are sound. They're gonna have to find something in the next couple of weeks to relieve that pressure to get them out of their uh, attacking zone because you can't you just can't run it. Yeah, we t- we touched on that too, you know, like Yeah. Um the kicking game's really important in women's rugby. And we saw we saw that against England England's kicking game against France, you know, just kept tournament around, nice big boot. Um, and when you're playing at that level, it, it'll make a set-piece kicking game make a, make a big difference, is he? So, yeah, you're dead right. Flair, when you're playing with Flair, as we're seeing with the Kiwis up against Lebanon, everything has to go your way. But errors come into your game, and a team that's so structured, if, you, if you're handing over ball, you're not getting out a good field position, you're just going to get buried at that level. Sweet as. All good. All good, Kempi. Yeah, it's interesting what's going on. Uh, we're going to shoot off. We're going to come back with Ben Wayne talking Phoenix football. We'll be back soon. That was Nick Heath. It was another beautiful day in Wellington as the Phoenix played another heart stopper at home in front of a bustling home crowd. They secured a last-minute draw over the Mariners thanks to an own goal. Ben Wayne was tremendous as always, scoring his second goal to start the season strong, and he's on the line with us now. Morena, Morena Ben. Hey, how are you? Yeah, good, mate. You'll be happy to get the draw yesterday? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a little bit frustrating. I think I was happier to take the draw in the first game considering the circumstances. Um, yesterday, I was just a bit gutted that we didn't get the three points, to be honest. Yeah, down home there with the... Uh, do you think some of the offsides were questionable? Yeah, um, I still need to watch the game back. I haven't really seen some of them, but I just know it took took quite a while and there was a few few large stoppages during the game to try and sort it out. So yeah, I'll have to have a look later to be honest. Mate, you, you can't beat a Wellington crowd, the most passionate and dedicated fans. So what's it like being home? The, the morale obviously results, you've got two draws, but the morale not too bad? Yeah, no, the crowd's amazing as well. Like you said, it's, um, I mean for me, I grew up going to the stadium and watching the games, watching the Phoenix, even the rugby and stuff like that. So now being able to play in front of them is just a, it's a dream come true. Hey, Ben, David Ball up front, you're missing, you're missing him as a striker? I mean, yeah, Ball, gives us another dynamic up front. And um, I sh- I'm not sure how far away he is, to be honest, but I know that he'll, he'll add, um, add a lot when he comes back into the squad. Mate, some things that uh, have been thrown out, obviously, after Danny Hayes gone, as Talay has obviously been massive for you boys as coach, and Ollie Sale come out yesterday and said he'd be a perfect fit for the All-Wise. What makes him such a good coach for you, mate? I mean, 
Uh, well, when I came into the Phoenix, I was a I was a little scrawny winger, and he's kind of helped me develop into a a bit of a bulked up farm, <laughs> a bit of a bulked up forward. Now you could say so. He's definitely helped me develop my game, and and the way the Phoenix play the football will kind of change the the identity of the club, I guess. I think anyway. So I mean, I don't. There's nothing saying he can't do that with the um with the national team. Mate, up against the Jets on Saturday, what are you expecting from them? Oh, I'm expecting a tough game. I mean, obviously we've got to we've got to go over there, and now we've got to kind of deal deal with the travel. It's a bit different, to, kind of to to living over there. It's easy when you have to only travel in between states and stuff like that. So, I mean, we're looking forward to the game, and yeah, can't wait. Mate, the results obviously you've in the last five minutes you've obviously got one back. You peg one back in that last five, but you let one go <laughs> in that first game, mate. So look. To get the job done, where, where's the biggest work on this week? Where do you think Talay will be pointing to to make you change the results and get a win in the end? Yeah, I mean, I think we'll we'll find out this morning when we have a team review. But I assume it's it's going to be the team as a whole. You can't pick out certain yeah. players or certain units in the squad. It's a team as a whole trying to see out a game. And and yeah, I guess I guess we'll find out more and hopefully it, the, we can change some things and it's for the better. Beautiful, mate. We're going to let you go, Ben, and uh, we appreciate you coming on. Welcome home. It's great to see the Phoenix fans amongst the Sky Stadium. There is no better sight, mate. They're passionate as always. Can you, quickly, just give us an inkling of why the football fans are so crazy and other sports fans are just so timid? What do they do, mate? <laughs> Honestly, I've, I've got no clue, but I love it. I tell you that much. I absolutely love it. Oh, mate, we need to get some of them at All Blacks games. I'm sick of the All Blacks. <laughs> all Blacks, man, it's boring, I tell you. Anyway, mate, anyway. <laughs> oh, they're so boring. Anyway, well done. Appreciate it, mate. Go well over in uh, Newcastle and, and get the job done. But it's great to see you and the, and the boys home back at Sky Stadium. And uh, good luck for the rest of the season. Ben Wayne, appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Awesome. There he is, Ben Wayne, talking football, Phoenix. Two draws from two games. They're going to head over and hopefully can get the job done. We're going to shoot off. We're going to hear from Aroha with the news for Kubota. Together, we're shaping and building New Zealand. Choices for and poll next. Is Ian Kempe for breakfast? Choices for own poll results. Times, boys, it's 27 to 9. Uh, Wellington Lions, 31% performance of the weekend. They just pips out uh, Izzy's knees after uh, playing at Clearwater, 25%. <laughs> so uh, it was actually our most even poll. Silver Ferns at 18, Giga Kick in the Everest at 18%, and then uh, David Nikia at uh, 6%. So there was a lot of people to shout out this weekend, boys, but Wellington Lions are the best of them all. Yeah, Wellington Lions. Silver Ferns, shout out to them too. They are flying at the moment. They've got to head over to Australia and, uh, you know, do it over there. Obviously, it's tough with the crowds they get over there in Australia just playing a, a style of, of netball that is physical. But, mate, Silver Ferns, surprising, surprising. Some of those players 
have really surprised me, particularly with um, Kayla Johnson. She's obviously <clears throat> was selected, and I know Karen was on the show and just a bit questionable on that selection, but she's, man, proving many wrong. So great to see them. Peter Toyava, who had so much talent over the last couple of years, but this one is really finding in this tournament. So they are surprising. Grace Nowicki, Kempi, the next Irene Van Dyke, they're saying. The next Irene Van Dyke is Grace Nowicki. Yeah. Mate, I remember a few years ago, probably only a year and a half ago, actually, you throw the ball into her, she was under the goal, and she'd probably miss some easy ones. Now she is so consistent. Lob that ball up to her. She'll catch it every time, and she's scoring. She was 100% last night, so Grace Nowicki and the Silver Ferns are in good stead at the moment, but it's going to be difficult to hit Australia. But we're pretty confident with that one, Kempi. Oh, yeah, they look really good. They look really, really good. And you're right about Grace. She's got a long career in that uh, in that black shirt, you know. So um, go over there, get the job done. You know what it's like. Get, you know, it's all right winning it here. Getting a, getting a win in Aussies even even better. Uh, Nolene Taurua, best coach, best coach in New Zealand in my books. Yeah. You know, so um, I'm not surprised that they've they've swung it around again. Um, but yeah, no, well done to the girls. T- two up. I know that Kez was down there last night commentating um, with the team, and and Staffy was down there commentating for SCNZ. So uh, bring we'll bring some netball hopefully over the week. Some chat from the girls. Yes, yes, for sure, mate. And uh, obviously David Nika as well getting the job done. His probably most dominant. Performance taking on Himi Ahoy and uh, mate, what a what a performance that was. Motu Sanga is uh, obviously the fighter's name, so mate, it was uh, clinical and man, he got a bit of a cut under his eye, mm. bit of a cut on his eye that looked pretty gnarly, and then he just stood him with that overhand right hand, just right on the chin, and dropped him for his most clinical performance. So we got Pat McKendry coming up. He is a TVNZ reporter, and he is going to talk to us about the boxing. Where does um, David Nyekat go now, and what next for him? What does he have next in store? That was, mate, world stage, Gambosal Haney undercard. All the promoters are watching. Where does he go now? Does he get a title shot? Does he go over to the UK, America, and take on the big wigs? Be interesting to see what happens. And Paddy McKendry, well, he'll have it all. He's going to come up and uh, give us a little update on where we're going. So we're going to shoot off and we'll come back and we'll talk to Patrick McKendry, TVNZ Sports Reporter. Back soon. G'day, Pat. G'day, Izzy. How are you? Very well, thank you, mate. Let's start with Hemiahuyo's fight. What did you make of this one? I can't just say, actually, I work for TVNZ now and, of course, um, uh, TVNZ had the rights to this uh, to this card. It was shown mm. free to air on TV One, which is fantastic. Uh, Hemia Hill, very very disappointing uh, for for that young young man uh, in terms of his performance and results. First professional loss. Um, he 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 looked flat. He almost looked a bit uninterested um, in in the ring, which is which is odd because there was so much at stake for him. Uh, he, he wants to go to the next level. But uh, instead, he's gone down several several steps and, and losing to a guy, an Australian called Fanga Opalu, who stood in front of him and just kept hitting him in the head. And um, and in the end, in the, in the fourth round, the ref, the ref really had no option but to stop it. And so a very disappointing way for, for uh, Hemi Ahio to um, really attempt to go to the next level, and yet he'd probably gone down several steps. 
what does that mean for him um, going forward? You know, Hemi, Hemi basically, after his last fight, said he wanted to get out there and, and take on the best. What does it actually yeah. mean for him now? Oh, look, he's a brave guy and he just wants to get in there and bang with the, with the best of the heavyweights in the world. But I'm not sure he's at that level, to be honest. Um, mm. he's, he's not a young man either. He's, he's in his early 30s. Um, I, I think, um, yeah, I, I think his, dro- his stocks have dropped significantly because I, I, I'm just not sure. Um, despite the fact that he he has looked very good, he's looked in the past. He's looked dynamic, powerful, um, a real a real dangerous customer in the ring. But he he certainly didn't look like that yesterday. And to be honest, I'm really not sure where he goes from here. But certainly, it's it's not onwards and upwards. It's. Uh, He's not putting himself in line for the big fight overseas, unfortunately. What about David? Obviously, David just putting on a clinical second-round knockout of Titi Mutusanga. Yeah. Look, mate, uh, pretty impressive each time. Where does yeah. he sit right now? Where is he sitting right now but, on, in terms of boxing futures? Oh, it's really the sky's the limit for him because this was quite a risky fight for David. And in the past, he he's looked... Probably overly aggressive at times and a little bit careless. And, um, mm. It's as though he, he really wants to put on a show and to show he belongs on the professional stage after his brilliant amateur career. But yesterday, I thought he was—he just looked really disciplined. He looked sharp, focused, really compact. He worked behind the jab, and that finish with the one-two. Um, poor Tiki Motosunga, who, who's a pretty good fighter, really, certainly on a, on a domestic level. He just didn't see the right hand coming. He was not senseless and, and crashed to the canvas. So a very, very impressive uh, performance. Second round knockout for David Nieka, who he's, he's linked up with Noel Thornbury in Queensland, a very good trainer, well well regarded in Australia and, and in the world, to be honest, in terms of trainers. And that partnership looks pretty good. So I think David said he, he wants to return to New Zealand and, and start fighting again here. So... Uh, that, that's certainly something to look forward to because he is a he's a proper uh, a pro- proper prospect in the cruise, cruiserweight uh, division. Yeah, man, what a what a knockout like that overhand right. It it was so yeah. they, they slowed it down, and the poor the poor guy they got you know he couldn't get up off the canvas. So anyone watching that um, will be careful of of David's uh, right hand in the future. Is there well, is there a, yeah. a champion shot for him somewhere down? You know, um, down the path, like yeah. coming back to New Zealand, is that really the best place for him to come? Should he be fighting up in the states? Well, I think it's what, what, what it's all about now is, um, you know, uh, probably finding opponents <laughs> because I don't think there's going to be that many people who want to get in, in the ring with David Meeker without getting paid very well for the privilege, mm. and so that's probably going to be the challenge for him. I, I think he wants. I think the plan is to come back to New Zealand. Build a, re- a real profile here, fighting uh, around the country, sort of like what Joseph Parker did um, before, sort of launching to the next level overseas. But certainly, uh, given his physical attributes, like he's six foot six, he's you know obviously ninety kg, but it's hard to announce the fat on him. He's technically superb. Um, yeah. He's a very dangerous man to get in the ring with, and. Um, you know, the, the cruiserweight division is pretty strong at the moment, but I think one guy, I think we'll, we'll all be keeping an eye on in terms of a potential opponent in the future is an Australian called Jay Apatia, who's 
undefeated. He's mm. 22 and 0. He's highly, highly ranked and well regarded in the world. And that that fight, if if and when it happens, uh, has the potential to be a real blockbuster. Well, that'll be a huge dust up. He's very, very classes <laughs> as Pataya. Hey, uh, what next for Camboso Junior? He obviously lost to Devin Haney twice yeah. now. Um, what's a good matchup for him upon his return? And Devin Haney just looks unstoppable. He's obviously holds all the belts. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Devin Haney, he's the real deal, isn't he? He's just, uh, his nickname's the dream, and, he, and that, that's the way he fights. Uh, <laughs> and he, 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 he turns fights into nightmares for his opponents. Um, yeah, he's obviously undefeated. He's got all the belts in lightweight division. He's um, he's a proper world champion, isn't he? Undisputed. Uh, so, onwards that was for him. But for Cambosis, he has to rebuild now. He said after the, his defeat um, that he's not finished. He wants to have a good rest and then start building back up. But um, you know, after the highs of uh, of his world championship victory. I think it was late last year um, in, in the USA, which was a fantastic effort. It's not quite a big upset. I, I think he he's obviously a very brave um, fighter. He might be a little bit limited. I think he was probably exposed a bit by Haney. Um, but, um, you know, he's, he's certainly got a following in Australia um, across the board, including with the, with the very loyal Greek community. So... Uh, I'm sure you know uh, he, he can he can build back up again. Oh, quickly before we let you go, mate. Wilder knocked out Robert Hellenius mm. in the first round on Sunday. Wilder's yeah. uh, oh, just power showcasing he's back, mate. Is he back? He he does appear to be back, is he? And uh, I did tune <laughs> in for that knockout, <laughs> but. It didn't take long that fight, did it? Um, no. And uh, Hellenius, I thought I thought he might go a bit better than that. I think mm. he put up a pretty good effort. I think it was uh, was against someone like uh, a British guy like Dillian White or something, which I think I might have gone the distance. So he can take a punch, but he, he couldn't take that punch from Wilder, who uh, you know he, he retired from the sport um, briefly after yep. uh, after his latest loss to Tyson Fury, which was fairly comprehensive. You know, people thought that that might be might be the end for Wilder, one of the biggest punches ever in the heavyweight division. But no, he's back, and that and that right hand certainly doesn't appear to have lost any uh, potency. Let's put it that way. Hellenius crashed crashed to the canvas, and he was gone. So um, you know, he, again, uh, he's an excitement machine, isn't he, Wilder? Um, yeah. He's just you can't you can't take your eyes off the screen when he's fighting. So um, he's great for boxing and. And great for the heavyweight division. Yeah, great for the heavyweight division. Our very own Joseph Park, he's back in Samoa. Who and when do you see him fighting next? I'm hearing talks of December. Not too far away. That's when he wants to fight. Uh, he, yeah. he wants to get back in the, in the ring as soon as possible, and, and presumably he'll be back in the UK. So, yeah, he, as you say, he's, I think he's enjoying a family holiday at the moment. He deserves it too. He's working pretty hard. Um, a yeah. pretty good... Pretty good performance. I think he was just—he just outgunned on the night against Joe Joyce, wasn't he? Uh, Joyce, the, the Englishman, obviously undefeated. He's, he's rocketing up the division in terms of the rankings. He, he's probably better than I thought he was, to be honest. Joyce, he fought really well, but Joe—he yeah, gave a good account of himself. Um, wasn't his night. Um, he, he's going to rebuild, and and I guess he, he wants to get back in the ring as soon as possible. So uh, yeah, look out for that. Hopefully before Christmas. Yeah.
Yeah, beautiful. David Newkin, Joseph Parker flying the flag for the Kiwis. Appreciate you, Patrick McKendry, TVNZ reporter, talking all things boxing. Well done to David Nika. Thank you so much, mate. Appreciate your time. Thanks, Lizzie. Pleasure, mate. There he is, Patrick McKendry. He was my first ever media manager for the Crusaders. So was he? A lot of time for him. Yep. Yeah, he looked after our media. Yeah. Should have got that one right because I was promoting him for TVNZ all morning. But anyway, we'll move on. We're going to shoot off and we'll come back and talk to Smithy. We'll sleep on it with temper. Back soon. Yeah, welcome back. We're going to cross over to the Hawks Bay and talk to Smithy for sleep on it. Thanks to temper, they got mattress, pillows, and adjustable bases, which conform to the exact shape of your body for unrivaled comfort and support. Morena to you, Smithy. Oh, Smithy's not there. Sorry about that. No worries. Smithy's tuned out. He's not. He's watching the league. I think he's, he's watching, watching the, league. the league. Yeah. Thirty-four twelve. Thirty-four twelve to the Kiwis, putting on a bit of a clip. Did you just see Joey Manu's? No. Joey Manu's try. How classy was that, Smithy? You there? Yeah. Good day, boys. How are you going? So much going on. Good. Gee, what's wow. Plenty going on. I'm watching the Kiwis and Joey Manu just putting on a clinic out there. But Smithy, how was your weekend, mate? Yeah, pretty good, uh, Izzy. Uh, watched a lot of sport, of course, as you do. There's so much on. Hard to pick uh, which one to watch in what order. But um, had uh, a decent old day uh, at the races as well, even though uh, track was pretty heavy and there was a lot of scratchings. It still was a decent day. Still not too Mustang bad. Valley. Mustang Valley. Uh, must, Mustang. Yeah, what a horse. Oh. That is uh, just so conclusive. Turn for home. Goodbye. Mm. Goodbye, baby. Um, that was uh, it was a hell of a performance, actually. Nat- uh, nature's trip getting rolled in Australia. So plenty of events. Plenty of events over the weekend, is he? Nice, yeah. Giga kick. My mate told me to back that. I backed Durston, Smilly. I got on to Durston at 18 bucks. I was happy with that oh. one, but giga kick. My mate told me to back it, and I didn't back it. I went on nature's trip, oh. and, well, giga kick flew home. What a ride. What a ride that was. Champion. $15 million race, 10 to the winner. Well done. Cheers, Smithy. Great to hear from you, mate. No doubt you have a big jam-packed show to take us through to midday. Everyone out there, thanks for tuning in. We'll be back tomorrow morning. Ka kite anō. Here's some tips for maintaining your Trex deck. Um, occasionally wash it with some soapy water or a pressure cleaner. Trex composite decking is low maintenance and won't fade, splinter or warp. Trex, the world's number one decking brand.